0: Well, hey everybody, I am Heath Haynes. I'm one of the elders here at The Bridge. I'm also a part of the Heights House Church, and I am grateful to be with you once again. Um, Before I get any further into this, I just wanna stop and actually pray right now. So pray with me if you will. Lord, I just want to just ask that you would help us now. Lord, each one of us, as we are listening to this, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, Lord, I pray that you would just give us a stillness of heart and mind. You would give us a presentness uh, in this moment, Lord, knowing and kind of, uh, you know, just understanding that we have an opportunity um, with you right now, Lord, as we come to your word, as we seek your understanding for who we are and for this life. And Lord, as we look to Jesus, Lord, I just pray Lord for this, not just to be something that engages our mind or just uh, is in our ears for, for these few minutes, but I pray that our hearts would be penetrated God by your truth. Lord, and not just again, not just the, the information of your truth, but the impact, the reality, the outcomes, Lord, then the re- that the, your truth is what forms and informs this world. Um, and so, Lord, I pray, Lord, just for your work and your will to be done. God, I just want to surrender even my effort and my work right now. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, nothing can good, nothing good can come out of this truly unless you uh, work in our midst. So God, we just surrender this time. Lord, speak through me, inspire me, whatever it takes for your heart, your word, your will to be made known and to bring fruit in our lives. Lord, for the sake of the gospel, for your glory and for the good of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, here we are. We are in Mark. Uh, We've been in Mark for quite a while. Uh, Mark is 16 chapters. We are in Mark 16 this week, so we are finishing Mark. And as we've looked at Mark, we've looked at Mark through this, this lens of kind of two threads. And it's really this mirror image of Mark. In the first eight chapters of Mark, we were looking at the claim of Jesus as the Messiah King. And then as we continued in Mark through uh, nine through 16, we were looking at the purpose of Jesus going to the cross. And so we've seen the, the, the identity of Jesus as King. We've seen his purpose of going to the cross and we've been understanding our identity in Christ and our purpose in following him to the cross. And so I just want to kind of walk through just real quick in review and really just land the plane today. And so again, thinking about the first eight chapters, we see that Jesus is the king right? And we, we see, we, we, saw through all of these pictures, you know, cause Mark is this highlight realist. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the top 10 reel, right? So, so we, we, we see in these quick vignettes over and over again, uh, Jesus's claim to being the worthy King just made clearer and clearer his, his, his claim to not just being a prophesied King, not just being divine, but being the very son of God and God himself. And Jesus made that claim clearer, And clear. And we also saw the character of this king and the way that Jesus ministered, that he was selfless, that he was wise, that he was courageous and benevolent. So we see that Jesus is a king who is worthy. But we also saw that Jesus is a different kind of king than what was expected, both in the time that this was written and really for ourselves as we think about what we want in this world. And what we saw is that Jesus came to a people that were expecting an earthly king and were expecting an earthly a place of promise where they were restored to the people of privilege and blessing that the whole world would look to. But Jesus promised a greater kingdom, not just a temporal kingdom of that power, prestige, and comfort among the nations, but a kingdom that was incorruptible, a kingdom that was eternal and a kingdom that positioned the people of this kingdom as servants to the world, as servants to love the world and usher the entire world into the eternal hope of this kingdom that exists in all that is under our wonderful and glorious God's rule and reign. And so this Jesus, this Jesus, the King, what we see is that him being a king that is different and promising a kingdom that is different, Um, this king humbled himself which was not what was wanted they wanted the king to come in might and to deliver but Jesus humbled himself we see Paul later describing it in his letter to the church in Philippi in Philippians 2 5 through 9 he says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus So Jesus the king was different. He promised a different kingdom than expected. He he didn't act like the king that was expected to come in power and might, but humbled himself. And he did that by going to the cross. This king went to the cross. And as we looked at Mark 15, we were confronted with the astounding reality of what Jesus endured as he went to the cross for you. And for me, and I pray that you had a fruitful time of reading through that and seeing all that Jesus endured and just saying, as we kind of led each other to say, he did that for me. And I pray that was just transforming for your soul and for your heart and your mind. And we see that Jesus did that. Jesus allowed himself to stay on the cross and he took on death and he went to the grave, right? That's where we were at as we came to Mark, came through Mark 15, But as we come into Mark 16, and what you may or may not know is that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. So, as we come to our text today in Mark 16, Jesus has been in the grave for three days, and now we read Mark 1 through eight. Read it with me. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed not what they were expecting. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. So the place where they laid him, see, see the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. So Jesus did not stay in the grave. He resurrected. And again, let's just not miss this. And again, if you've been around the church for a while, if you've been to a few Easter services, I mean, this, this word may, may just kind of fly by you, but again, resurrected means that he was dead. And now he's not dead. And, 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 you know, you think about this, it says they were seized with astonishment and trembling. No one should have been surprised. I mean, if you've been tracking with us, Jesus repeatedly told everyone this was going to happen. He said, I'm going to be killed. And after three days I will rise again. But apparently Everyone was surprised. I mean, look at the scene here. Who, who's going to the tomb? None of the disciples. Where are they at? They're holed up in some room, trying to figure things out. They heard repeatedly, in three days he will rise again. It's been three days. They're not at the tomb. These ladies are. These women are. But these women didn't expect it either. What were they going to do? They went to buy spices and oil to anoint the dead body. They were going to finish the, you know, just the the ritual for those who have passed. They were going to treat the dead body of Jesus. They did not expect a risen Savior. The resurrection may be hard for you to believe just like it was for these that we're reading about. And the resurrection matters. Mark makes sure that we don't miss that Jesus was really dead so that we can see that he really did overcome death in his resurrection. I want to look back a little bit. Let's go back into Mark 15. We're going to look at Mark 15, 42 through 47. It says this. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself uh, looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. In 44, it says, Pilate was surprised to hear that that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Those are the same women that were referenced in what we just read. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but just hearing the language, that Pilate granted the corpse of Jesus to Joseph. I don't know. That's a little jarring to me, like to think of Jesus described as a corpse. But I don't, I mean, what we know about Mark is that he wastes no words in his narrative style. He makes every word count. So he used that word corpse on purpose to get your attention and to drive home that Jesus was indeed dead. But then also, as we see in Mark's true form, he he, he then presents some important details uh, to bring to light uh, the, the opportunity to confirm these accounts that Jesus really did die. And we see that Mark, he name drops a lot, right? Mark cites multiple people that were a part of seeing Jesus's death to, to prove that Jesus died. He starts off with Pilate, right? I mean, a high Roman government official. And then he's talked, he says the centurion confirmed his death. And if you recall, a centurion is a hardened Roman soldier who has seen much battle and death. And so if anyone knows death, it's the centurion. So he's a death specialist and he confirms that Jesus is dead. And then Joseph of Arimathea, who would have been an important leader in the Jewish community is now listed. And then the two Marys. Um, and, and if you don't know, women at the time were not a respected voice of authority in, in any culture, whether it was the Jewish culture, or the Gentile culture. And so we see, Mark listing these people to, to give account and to give witness. But then you think about it. The only reason that Mark in writing this narrative to establish the reality and work of Jesus, the only reason for him to reference women is because they were there. There, there would have been no other reason. And, because, and, and so we have to see that this was written only about 20 years later after Jesus' death. And so these people were most likely still alive. And so what Mark is saying is like, Hey, here's a bunch of people that you know, guess what? You can go ask them. You can go talk to them, go and verify. So what we see is that Jesus really died. And as we read, Mark is just as specific in in his recording of the resurrection. Again, we see these same two women plus another, Salome, three women who went to the tomb, and then that they went to tell all the disciples. So again, the only reason to reference these women is because they were really there. And we see from the rest of the Gospels and Acts that Jesus appeared to over 500 people in 40 days. And so with this, we have to see that it is that it is inescapable to acknowledge that Jesus really did die and that he really rose from the dead. But why does the resurrection matter? Why does the resurrection matter? It matters for you and for me. Jesus had to die. What we see in Romans 6 23 is that the wages of sin is death. It says for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Jesus took on our sin. We know that he took on our sin to deliver us. Second Corinthians 521 says for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And if you don't know to become the righteousness of God is not to become morally superior superior. It is to become innocent and whole and pure before a holy God, which means we can have fellowship with him. We can be saved. So in the death of Jesus, our sin debt is satisfied and we are forgiven. We're made innocent and righteous. So so Jesus had to die, but Jesus also had to resurrect. Jesus had to defeat death for you and me to not just be forgiven, but to also experience our eternal hope, our eternal life. First Corinthians 15, 13 through 19 says this, Our hope is in the resurrection. I want to read one more passage. Paul writes to the church in Rome, Romans 6, 5 through 11. It says, For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing But the life he lives, he lives to God. And hear this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is amazing news. That is the gospel. That is the good news. When we trust Jesus, his death becomes our death to sin and death. His death becomes our death to fear, to discontentment, to loneliness, to hopelessness, and endless striving. When we trust Jesus, his resurrected life becomes our our resurrected life, full of hope, love, freedom, contentment, purpose, and peace. If, If your hope, if my hope is fully in Christ, Who or what can possibly take any of that away? As the song calls us to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hmm. So because Jesus is the king of all kings who went to the cross to die our death and rose from the grave to give us his life, I want us to walk away with two realities about Jesus that will change your life. Jesus is worthy to be worshiped is the first thing we must see. Again, what is worship? Romans 12, 1 shows us what it is. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so just to be really clear, what we're seeing here is this is a charge to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And at this time, there was no need for sin sacrifice anymore because Jesus had done it. So the sacrifice that was left was a thanks sacrifice, an offering of worship and thanks and to present yourselves as, a, as holy and acceptable is to saying I am presenting what Christ has accomplished in me. And that's motivating me to come to you. And so what we're not talking about when we say worthy to be worshiped is this thing that we see in the American church where, where our entire faith revolves around a culture of worship. And what I mean is that we look at our faith as revolving around a Sunday. And we, and, and we emphasize that we go to a place on Sunday and worship. And that certainly is meaningful and it certainly is, important. we should gather together. We should, we should gather together to, to worship God, to observe communion, to celebrate baptism, to hear the word. But we've made it the thing. We've made it the entirety of what worship is. And I'll just tell you this, Sunday cannot bear the weight of the opportunity that Christ has given you and restored you to. If you find that 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 you're feeling that you're feeling weak in your faith, if you find that you're feeling alone, if you find that you're not experiencing the relationship of God and yet you, all you're doing is going to church on Sunday, you're not abiding in the word daily, you're not in a life of prayer, you're not existing in gospel community, this gospel family, it will you will always find yourself saying I feel Alone, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I'm experiencing God. I don't. I, I, there will always be a lacking, and man, we are human and we are fleshly and we are gonna constantly ebb and flow out of out of this this abiding relationship with God and also battling the flesh and that is fine. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about the expectation and the aim. It is not just engaging in a culture of worship, but it is a life of worship and that is what the church is meant to be. So in Jesus being worthy to be worshiped, we also see that Jesus is the king that is worthy. When he is the king that is worthy to be worshiped, he's also the king that is worthy to be followed. And this is where I really see this kind of emphasis on the culture of worship kind of overtaking the full picture of what Jesus is worthy of. Because we we see him as worthy of, 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 of singing songs to and ascribing worth to. But do we actually give our whole lives to the cause of Christ? Do we actually look at our every relationship and our every moment as an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus in word and deed? As we delight, do we delight in a way that points to our satisfaction being in God alone? So Jesus is worthy to be followed. And there's a few ways we are to follow Jesus. First, we want to follow, we should follow Jesus personally. We should follow Jesus relationally. Again, what did Jesus come to do? He came to reconcile us to God. He came to restore relationships. 2 Corinthians five seventeen through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come all this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in christ god was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation so we should follow jesus personally and relationally again be in the word every day that is i mean if if we say we're not experiencing god and you're not in the word you're, you're short circuiting the very opportunity and putting a roadblock in the very thing you desire. So be in the word every day. What else is more important? Be in prayer every day, right? And then find ways to commune with your, with your spiritual family, your gospel family and your church. Follow Jesus personally and relationally. We are to be before we do, but we're also to follow Jesus to the cross follow Jesus to the cross every day as you lay down your life for the sake of others, experiencing the good news of Jesus, right? Mark eight 34 and through 36 says in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me forever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a person to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? So we're to follow Jesus to the cross and the last words that Jesus spoke are his instructions for what our following him to the cross should result in, right? We, we it is the great commission. We come to it all the time, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold. I am with you always to the ends of the age." At The Bridge, we, we say often, and we acknowledge and kind of call out that every Christ follower is meant to be a disciple maker, and every disciple maker is meant to be a missionary with a mission field to claim. Don't let that just blow by you or roll off your back. This is your opportunity. As you follow Jesus, as you walk with him, and we are fought to follow him to the world, As he was sent, we are sent. How would it change the way you live your life if you look at the world around you and say, I am a missionary to these people because you are? It's not a choice. It's not something that we get to say, I want to engage in this today and not tomorrow. It's not a short-term thing that we do once a year, once every few years. This is our identity in Christ. So as we follow him relation in relationship, we also follow him to the cross, which means we follow him to the world. As he was sent, we are sent. But then we also see that we follow Jesus in the resurrected life. In the resurrection of Jesus, we are free to abide and commune with God any moment, any day, any season, no matter what's happening, no matter how limited your capacity is, no matter how strained the the, the needs of your life are, no matter how daunting the call of Christ on your life is, we are free to abide and commune with God because of the resurrected life of Jesus given to us. In the resurrected life of Jesus, we are always kept in that glorious, astounding, close, Personal, intimate relationship with our living God. He is your sustaining. He is your satisfaction. He is your strength. Whatever is happening in your life today, whatever you have responsibility for, whatever you have demanded of you whatever you have pulling on you is part of your capacity as well as your equipping and opportunity to walk in the resurrected life experiencing the grace and mercy of God through Christ to walk to the world as you pick up your cross daily and follow him to live as a missionary of the gospel and again just to abide the resurrected life is where there is life and it is holy and fully experienced as you follow Jesus in all that he has given us to be and do so this is the full picture of the resurrected life in Christ. As Bonhoeffer said, the call to Jesus is a call to come and die, but that is where you truly live. Don't be distracted. Don't settle for something less. Don't believe the lie that, 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 that giving your life to Christ will strangle out the joy. He is our joy. Don't believe the lie that somehow because of your new job or your new baby or your new marriage, that somehow you're diminished to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus and to live out mission is somehow diminished. That is part of your opportunity. Worship and follow Jesus beyond Sunday. Follow Jesus beyond just an intellectual pursuit of Christian concepts. Follow Jesus beyond good intentions and talking about things of purpose and need. Follow Jesus beyond sin management. The picture and reality of what Jesus has promised and delivered is so much greater. Follow Jesus in the freedom and purpose he has reconciled and redeemed you to. The point of it all is the restored and real relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ and seeing the whole world come to know this as well. Jesus is the King of all Kings that went to the cross that took on death that defeated sin and death in his resurrection so that we could truly be free and live. Let's pray. So God, Oh, Lord, as I, as I have been in this text and preparing and praying, Lord, I've just been confronted by my own tendencies. Lord, my own tendencies to kind of, to sprint, my own tendencies to strive, my own tendencies to kind of self-regulate what I think I can handle. God, and I know that I'm not alone. I know that every person hearing this right now, in some way, embodies these same these same realities, God. And so, we just want to surrender right now. We want to thank you, Lord, that in your great love and mercy, Lord, that you you intervened for us, the very ones who had denied you and sinned against you and rebelled against you. Lord, you entered in to satisfy. Lord, what we created the debt that we created in our in our sin. Lord, in Your great love and compassion, you have, you have offered us salvation through Your Son Jesus to restore us, to make us whole, to to deliver true meaning. Lord, I know that we all struggle and kind of feel aimless and empty when we when we are seeking out what satisfies and what uh, what, um, Lord, what satisfies and what uh, just brings contentment and hope and purpose. So, Lord, we know that it is in Christ. We know that we, 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 maybe we know it in our heads. We need to know it in our hearts. So, Lord, we just want to surrender to you. Lord, if there's anyone listening to this that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I pray that right now they would hear the invitation to, to, to surrender, confess, repent, and believe, and find true life. So, Lord, let us, let us follow Jesus in relationship. Let us follow Jesus to the cross in the world every day. and Let us follow Jesus in the resurrected life in your name. Amen. Guys, we love you so much. Pray you are well. Uh, We truly are better together for the glory of God, and we hope to see you soon. God willing. Bye.